So welcome back to another Impact Sessions podcast with me, Nick Bramley. Uh, this week, I'm delighted to have, we could call him a returning guest, but we'll explain shortly why he's not necessarily a returning guest. But it's Nigel Greenwood, he's Managing Director of uh, Simply Customer and also Bubble. We are going to talk about why SMEs and small, medium-sized enterprises need access to really good advice and really good support and why it's never been probably more important that they get access to that right now. So without further ado, and I'll explain why you're not really returning guest. Welcome to the podcast, Nigel. Thanks, Nick. Good to see you. Good to see you again. Well, for those who don't know, um, Nigel and I sat down in late December 2019, and we recorded a podcast about Bubble. It was about to launch, and we'll explain where we are with that now. But when I played it back, ready to just revise and send out this week it started off with happy new year for 2020 hope it's a great one so we thought you know what why don't we just re-record it because we'll just write off 2020 and say where we are so so welcome back even though no one's heard the original one uh, that's now in the um i think it's in the hopper as we call it now so let's explore let's explore 2021 going forward and we'll, we'll gloss over 2020 shall we yeah excellent okay well I know you, uh, Nigel, as, as a guy who is passionate about and an expert in all things customer service, customer experience, but I want to explore more about what has become a parallel passion. It is connected, really, but um, it's really helping new or small businesses get access to the right advice and increase their performance and chance of success. So um, do you want to explain? We spoke about Bubble a year ago. It wasn't quite ready. It was a sort of product that you were developing. Um, where are we? What's happening with Bubble? What is Bubble about? Tell people about you know what the 2020 journey is about and why it's now ready. Okay, so <clears throat> Bubble is a virtual room online with 30 business experts in. Um, it contains a series of dynamic questions. So somebody can use it. They'll get a tailored uh, journey through it so they only see the questions that are relevant to them the system picks up from the responses and decides who's the next expert to ask a question and what question they should ask and it delivers a tailored set of recommendations so it's telling you exactly what you need to do either to start a business or to grow the business um, and each of the recommendations has a link to the advice that they need so is it are we talking sort of generic Q&A type thing, frequently asked questions that's behind that? What's, what's driving the response mechanism? It's quite interesting, that. So there's a lot of very complicated algorithms, but essentially there's a, a bank of thousands of questions. Mm -hmm. um, um, what we do is we'll look at each individual business um, and we've made sure that there's individual paths for each of them to follow. So there's about 250,000 different ways that somebody can go through it. Great. And that's all there to make sure that they get the advice that they really need. Um, and it's not necessarily generic advice. And is that uh, pathway dependent upon, I guess, sector or type or manufacturing service, you know, whatever they're up to, the, the questions are going to vary? Are we talking... What kind of things? Everything, financial, operational, sales, customer service. What, what, what kind of, what kind of things can I ask to, and expect to be inspired by with the answers? And Nigel, what kind of areas? So the two, um, there's two versions. So there's bubble start, and that's if you're thinking of setting up your own business. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so yeah, it looks at what sector you're looking at. Uh, it looks at whether you're going to be offering products or services. Uh, it looks at what type of products or services they are. Um, looks at your target market. Uh, it looks at what have you done already about setting up a business? Mm-hmm. What's your experience? Uh, what skills do you already have? And works out what you need to do. It then gives you a score so you can gauge how ready you are to get your business started. Uh, and then gives you the, the specific recommendations that you'll need. So it's wide ranging. And those, I mean, that that's really sounds quite powerful. Uh, the Those recommendations are by experts who are supporting you as a... I guess a consultant or advisor or whatever, or they come from your research. How have you got the have you got the answer bank to the question bank then? Uh, they're all people that I know, um, some of whom I've known for years, and I like and respect and admire them. Uh, there are others that have been recommended. Mm-hmm. Um, and in each case, I've looked at what they do, what advice to give, and I've, in many cases, I've spoken to some of their customers to make sure they actually do walk the walk as well as talk the talk. Okay. So you're confident of the quality of the responses. You're confident of the sort of pathways that you can lead people down. What's the technology based on, Nigel? How is it? Is it what is it? Is it some kind of software? Is it what's, what's behind it? Yeah, we've developed our own software platform to host it, uh, which is one of the reasons that it's launched in 2021 rather than 2020. Yeah. Because it takes a long time to get these things right. We're going to exp- we're going to explore a little bit of your journey and, and the the trials and tribulations. It's a bit like doing the Grand National horse racing course and then finishing it and then finally you've got to go around another three times, isn't it? It feels like it, it certainly is. And, and every time you've got to pay some more money to do it again. Yeah, and the fences get bigger. Maybe I think that's probably it. Okay, so <clears throat> do you want to expand on where you thought the idea came from and why there was a gap in the market for this? Because Advice seems to be everywhere. Obviously, Google is a, a search engine that you can find almost anything in, but also just general advice available to, you know, from agencies. And things. Where did the idea come from first? Where and when would that have been, uh, Nigel, would you say? So it came from a, a mistake I made in business. When I started Simply Customer, uh, I work with SMEs. I go in, I run workshops, I map the customer journey, um, and ask lots of questions to work out what the needs are and how they can be met. And my original plan was that I would franchise that. So I would train people to do what I do uh, and grow the business that way. And I tried franchising with two people and it didn't work out. Was that the Simply Customer model that was? That's the Simply Customer model, yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, what I realized was, actually I've been doing this for 30 years. And what I've got in my head are thousands of questions. Mm. So all I'm really doing is listening, asking a question, listening to the answer, and then picking out the most appropriate question. Your head, your head's a massive filing cabinet, isn't it? Yeah, there's there's no room for hair in it, unfortunately. <laughs> oh <go>. man. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also within the simply customer process, when I worked out what needs the business has, I can't meet all those needs. Mm. So I've grown a a number of associates that I can then recommend that come in, so experts in fields that I just can't help with. So that gave me the idea that if I can't franchise that, I can't train people to do that. 
uh, I can't train them to get all the questions out of my brain. So the only way to do it was, okay, let's get some software that can do it. So you basically processed the contents of the common questions, the the experiences that you've got, the things that you get asked and put to you on a regular basis. And as I say, rather than train somebody in that, which is almost impossible because, you know, you've got an emotional intelligence content that goes with that. You've sort of formalized that into a, a software algorithm driven kind of uh, uh, product then. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. It's, um, it's been a, a, a long road to do it. Uh, we've, I had to work out, what all the different possible customer journeys could be mm. and make sure that we've got the most appropriate questions at the right time for the right customer. And, and we're going to talk shortly about launch, uh, which is imminent. This is going to go out uh, end of Feb, beginning of March. So we either around the time or about around the time for Bubble to be launched. Um, what sort of testing have you done on it in terms of you know, getting it interrogated to make sure those journeys work? Because I totally understand if I ask you a question as an individual, you'll map things and respond accordingly, but software doesn't necessarily always do that. How, what sort of testing things have you been through? Uh, we've had 50 prototypes mm -hmm. and we've had 150 small business owners across all sectors uh, test them. Mm -hmm. uh, we've had lots of feedback, uh, made lots of changes. Uh, it's now, I, I describe it as when we launch, it's good. It's not perfect. Uh, it never will be perfect. We, we know already that there are opportunities to increase the breadth and depth of the advice. Mm -hmm. So we've got 30 business advisors sitting behind it at the moment. My plan is within a year to have 100. But those 100, or the 30 now, um, if the advice needs to be more specific and more detailed, then I guess there's access to them anyway. I'm asking the question of the software. If that then takes me to a place where it's quite generic, non-generic and quite specific, then maybe, you know, the access to the advisors is the next stage. Is that, is that kind of what the plan looks like? Yeah. So you go through the software, you get the recommendation, and then you get a link to the advice. No. As, as an example, uh, if the system works out that you need to be more effective at using LinkedIn, mm. you get a recommendation that explains why you need to do that. Uh, a link to a page, and then you've got uh, top 10 tips on how to use LinkedIn, mm -hmm. uh, a 10-minute video on how to set your profile up, and a 60-page downloadable ebook from a LinkedIn expert. Oh, wow. Okay. So the resources are more than just the questions and answers. The resources are the depth of support that you offer, and, and people can, can tap into and access then, yeah? Yeah. The whole point is, I think it's fine telling somebody what they need to do, but then you've got to support them and enable them to do it. Yeah. Um, so the advice in pretty much every case is designed that somebody can understand the advice and get on and start to make the changes. They've then got uh, a connection with the expert if they need more help. It's very practical then, isn't it? It's not, you know, it's not cerebral and just, you know, look at us, we're quite worthy, we're going to, we're going to give you some advice, we're actually going to give you some direction and some practical support to get there. So I, I really like the, the principle of that. I, I guess the question I've got, being cynical about the whole thing is, you know, isn't the world full of advisors, accountants, business advisors, you know, various business organisations? Why, why do you think there's a gap for this? 
Okay, so the first point is 76% of SMEs don't seek advice. Oh, really? Yep. Um, and that's official government stats. That's not from me. Mm. Uh, and the reason is that, that is most commonly given is cost. So the average cost of getting advice in a year for an SME is £2,500. Now, that's a massive commitment. For, especially for a micro SME. Yeah, if the, uh, if the turnover was only 12 grand or 15 grand, you don't yeah. spend that proportion of it on advice, do you? You don't. And if you look at the advice that's available at the moment, I, I split it into two things. So you've got the free advice, which is generic. So you've got your workshops, your webinars, and those are great. The problem with that is that you don't know what advice you need. So the example I always give is, you want to increase your turnover. Most people immediately think, I need to do some more marketing. I need to get better at selling. Mm. So, um, they'll go on webinars, they'll Google how to sell, they'll, they'll practice it, they'll read books, all of that. Actually, you might not need any more leads. What you might need to do is improve your conversion rate. Yeah. What, you, what you might need to do is improve your upsells and your cross-sells or your customer retention rate. Mm. so you could be going down completely the wrong path you could put a lot of time and effort into learning how to generate more leads only to find that actually the business isn't going because your pipelines are leaking all over the place i'm just going to say the you know you've got your front door open welcoming people into your business but the you know the, there's it's like a sieve isn't it the, the the falling out all over the place i've i've got a client who started with that process a little while ago and said can you come and help me get more leads and i said well i potentially I can but I'm not sure that's what you might need he said no we need more leads I said okay can, can we do some assessment on that because you know it strikes me that you, you seem to be doing a lot of stuff in the right areas to generate awareness and, and get people to at least commit to having an engaged sort of conversation with the business and he went no, no no we need more leads anyway so I went into the business and he didn't need more leads he, uh, their, their problem was at probably stage three or four where they'd actually produce the quotes and the, and the price points and no one was following them up. So they had a, like a, it was almost like a, they needed an enema in their sales follow-up process to clear that blockage. What's the point in putting more leads in the top of the funnel if the funnel's blocked halfway down and all you're going to do is block it even more? So I totally get that. And I, I totally get why actually asking the right questions, which I do and you do when you go and work one-to-one -one with a client, for example, asking the right questions gets you in the right place, doesn't it? But if you don't ask the right questions, you get, you get entirely the wrong picture so I, I, I'm loving what I'm hearing about this so far and I, I like the fact that um, you know it, it does fill a niche that people didn't even know was sort of there if that makes sense and that's quite clever. Thank you um, I'll take that as a compliment. No I take it all day long I think sometimes you know we, we we assume the world's full of stuff that's already does what it needs to do and there's not enough enough space but uh I know from your journey, which we're going to explore in a minute, that, that you know, you, you've persevered with this because over the time you've been developing it, no one's filled that gap anyway, have they? They haven't, no, um, which is good for me. Mm. Although you always get the question mark, is it really a good idea if nobody's done it before? But um, I think it's a good idea, and most of the people I've spoken to think it's a good idea. Mm. I mean, the other, the other source of advice that people get is paid advice. And there are some great business advisors out there. There are some not so great ones. There are some not so great ones. So <laughs> that's one of the problems, picking the right one. Mm. 
And then I, I split them into two. I think you've got your generalist advisors mm. and then you've got your specialists. So I, I count myself as I'm a specialist in terms of I can advise on the customer journey. Yeah. But then I'm a generalist in that I, I can identify that you've got a problem with your marketing or a problem with your website. Mm. I can tell you the problem, but I can't help you with it. So I've got to refer you to a specialist. Yeah. So if you find a good business advisor, um, what will happen is one, they're going to charge you because they have to make money. That's yeah. fine. Um, typical charge is 100, 150 pound an hour, which is a big commitment. Mm. You'll get the right advice for your business to a point but then they're going to have to introduce you to other specialist advisors. Mm. And that's going to be more time, more effort and more cost. I, I, the analogy about generalist and specialist, I, I, anyone who knows me and, and has heard a couple of podcasts where I refer to this will hear me banging on, literally banging on about the fact that people value specialism. They don't necessarily put a value on generalism. Do they? You know, generally, you go to your GP with a bad knee your GP will say to you, yeah, you've got a bad knee, I'll refer to you the orthopaedic specialist. The orthopaedic specialist is the person that you trust and that you value. The GP is just the conduit for that. So I think it's um, it's great that you've got this number of advisors behind the, uh, the, the the bubble software. I think growing that's going to help in terms of breadth of, 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 of uh, support, etc. cetera. Um, so in terms of the journey, because yeah. we, we, we were talking in... December 19 about launching in February 2020. Obviously, we know yeah. what happened in March 2020, but we didn't. you didn't quite get there. And you said, look, can we hold the podcast until I'm ready? Absolutely no problem with that whatsoever. But obviously, we're re-recording it for various reasons. Um, six years in the making, I think we're up to now. And um, 17 times, you said to me last year, and it might be even more now, 17 times you nearly gave up on the, the dream of bubble, right? That's quite specific, by the way, 17. You must have been counting. Talk us through the journey from having this idea and saying, look, there's a gap in this advice market. There's got to be a better way. Talk us through six years, 17, you know, almost giving up. What's that? Talk us through what's it been like. Highs, lows, you know, where are we now? Yeah. Um, so it's now 18 times that I nearly gave up. <laughs> <laughs> did, uh, and I was, do COVID, was COVID the 18th then? Did that have something to do with it? Um, no. Uh, interestingly, it, a lot of them are down to mistakes I've made. Right. Um, so they, when I first had the idea, I spent months um, searching the internet and trying to see if there was anything like that out there. And then I started talking to people about the idea. It, it was difficult because I could explain it, but they couldn't see anything. Mm. So I, I built a very simple uh, Excel spreadsheet that demonstrated it with 10 questions. Mm. Um, and everyone went, yeah, that's a good idea. So I then spent months specking out exactly what it should look like in quite a lot of detail. And I took it round to some software houses to see if I could get it built. And most of them said it wasn't possible to do it because of the way I wanted it to work. Mm. Uh, one said they could, but they quoted me half a million to do it. I, I'm assuming there's a you know, a successful but small business owner in West Yorkshire, you didn't have half a million down the back of the settee then? No, I, I was a little bit short. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, then I got told I could get a grant from the EU mm. uh, under the Horizons plan. So I spent ages um, preparing a detailed application. 
um, submitted it and didn't get to the starting point with that. Uh, but I learned a lot from that, so I resubmitted it. Uh, I got 98% of the score that I needed, um, which wasn't enough. Wow, okay. Pretty, pretty brutal marking regime, I suspect that then, isn't it? Yeah, it's like anything. You've, you've got to get over that first hurdle, and I yeah. was just short. Uh, so I paid somebody to rewrite the application. Um, they got a worse score than I did. <laughs> so, so that didn't work out. So that, that was one of the times that I got very close to giving up. Yeah. Um, then I found somebody that said they could build it for me. Uh, and he was a client. Um, so I trusted him. Um, his idea of building it for me was that he would tell me what to do and I would do it. So I had four in, months. In, in addition to your day job? In addition to my day job. So I, I had four months of working, 14 hours a day for six days a week. Mm. Um, we got to the point where we had a, an offline version, but it was built around Excel. And then I, I turned around to him and said, that's great. Give me everything so I can get this online and can start testing it and see what people think. Um, and he said, well, actually, the online version of Excel hasn't caught up with the offline version. So, <laughs> So you can't have an online version, but you can market it online. And what will happen is they'll buy it. Uh, you send them the file. They open the file, answer the questions. They email the file back to you. Um, you run it through the software, and then you email the report to them. Wow. What a fabulous not customer journey that is then. Given, given right now, this guy clearly knew what you did for a living, did he, that you're – all about the customer experience and customer journey. And, and yet that was the suggestion that, that that can only be described as clunky, if I'm being kind, process would uh, would suffice then. Yeah, um, it didn't go down well. Uh, we, don't have a <laughs> we don't have a relationship anymore. Um, uh, and it didn't cost me money, it just cost me time and effort. Yeah. Um, and, and that was the worst point. I, I was literally at the point where I couldn't see how I could ever get it done. Were we, I mean, I'm trying to remember in terms of timing, the, the online version of Excel, was that in the making by Microsoft at the time? Was it under, you know, was it was it just a few weeks away? Was it not on the plan? Did you even know it was coming? Was it a pipe dream? Where, where was online Excel at that time? They had a version and there was just a few pieces of functionality that we needed. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I did think about, trying to ring Microsoft and ask them when they were going to put these bits in because I needed them. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure again, I'm not sure again you'd have got necessarily the, re the response. You know, I, I, I'm loving, I'm loving your enthusiasm, Nigel, but, you know, a guy without half a million down his back of his sofa is also not the guy who's probably going to get the response from Bill Gates at the time to say, oh, we'll drop everything and we'll do that for you, Nigel. No, de definitely not. Uh, that, so it was that day that I... <clears throat> I finally decided to give up. I, I put a lot of time and effort into it. I was still sure it was a good idea, but I was also sure at that time that I just couldn't do it. Um, and that evening, my phone rang, and it was my son-in-law, who is a software developer. I'd spoken to him a year previously and asked him if he could develop it, and he said it was way beyond whatever he could do. Mm. And I can still remember the conversation. I picked up the phone, I went, hi, Dave. He says, hi, Nigel, how are you? I said, 
I'm all right, thanks. Are you still working on that software idea? No, I've given up on it. Mm. That's that's a shame. Why do you say that, Dave? I was intrigued by it, so I spent the last year upskilling myself, um, keeping note of new tech, etc. And I think I could do it for you. Can I have a go? Wow. Just what, literally the same timing as you sort of closed your book on it? Same day. Bloody hell. So, um, as you can imagine, I was cautiously optimistic. Were you not more sceptically optimistic, I think? I think, is that, you know, that must have been at the back of your mind, you know, really, again, because surely once you've closed your book, you think, do I need to open the book again? You must have put your heart and soul into it, particularly over the last four or five months at those long hours? Um, yeah, so sceptical is probably the right word. Um, what I actually did was I sent him 20 questions, the first 20, mm. and said, have a go and come back to me whenever. Mm. So at seven o'clock the next morning, um, I got a link in my inbox to a prototype, and he'd done it. Overnight. Is he in the same time zone as you, by the way, or is he in a different time zone? He's in the same time zone. He, he works full-time as a teacher, but part-time as a software developer. Right. And he'd work, he'd work till three o'clock in the morning to do it. Bless him. So I, I think being my son-in-law helped. Yeah. Um, but he was great. So we then got back into a cycle of uh, getting up early, creating all the questions, uh, running it all through, and we got a prototype built. It didn't look great. Um, it didn't have as much content as I wanted, but we had something that we could show people. And did it? I guess in concept terms, it proved it worked. I mean, whether whether it whether it wasn't aesthetically as pleasing as it could be, or whether you know it was it was still a bit limited, it proved it worked. Yeah. And that's what you were looking for, I guess, at that time, weren't you? Some because it's hard to sell a service without someone touching it or feeling it or experiencing it. So that got you, that, that accelerated you significantly, I would imagine, didn't it? Yeah, it did. It, um, I, I probably then went sort of too fast because um, I thought I'll get it out there and see what people think. And I think it's that bit about, I, I know it's not right, but let's get it out there. Let's get some people using it uh, and see what they think. Um, and I've got so many things wrong. The branding was awful. The look and feel wasn't right. But at the same time, uh, I got a, an Innovate UK grant mm. to develop the next version. Part of that was uh, to get some research done. So we worked with the University of Bradford to build the next version of the software and to do the research. Uh, and I got some very structured user research back which was 12 pages. When I got the report, um, for some reason, I printed it out rather than just reading it on screen. And I... I know, I know, I know, Nigel, I know what that reason is. It's called age, my friend. We all, <laughs> we all do it when we get to a certain age. So don't, don't say for some reason you printed out your email. A lot of people, and it's, just, it's an age thing, man. Trust me. I've got, I've got a floor covered in papers. Paperless office doesn't exist. Uh, I, I can remember in corporate world, I used to work for one of the directors at HBOT who had a secretary that, whose main job was printing out his emails so he could read it. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely an age thing. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I read the feedback 
um, and I skim read quite quickly. So I read the feedback. I felt that they'd ripped it to bits. I felt I'd made a mistake. Mm. Uh, threw it on the floor and went for a two-hour walk. Mm. And, and I enjoy walking because it, you get thinking time. Uh, when I came back, I picked it up and reread it. And what they'd actually said was, the look and feel isn't right. There isn't enough content. But it's a great idea. Conceptually, we like it, but it's got a bit of work to do type thing. Yeah. So I worked with the university for the rest of that year. And so that takes us up to December 2019. Mm -hmm. um, and the idea was the functionality that they were building would drop into the prototype. It would work a lot better. It would go through all the feedback and answer all of that. Um, we did that, we dropped it in, in the January, and I was still working with David, my son-in-law, um, and he phoned me and he said, we've got a bit of a problem. I said, what's the problem? He said, basically, I built you a Cortina um, with shabby bodywork, and they've just dropped a Ferrari engine in it. <laughs> Well, that's a fantastic analogy, by the way. I'm just trying to picture a 1970s shabby Cortina, but with a you know a, a V8 twin turbo, something or other inside. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I said, okay. He said, so one, it needs new bodywork. Two, it needs everything. So everything else needs to change. Um, so this is what came out just after we had that last conversation, really. Mm. So the only way ahead then was to say, okay, I'm now committed to this. So I <clears throat> worked with the software developer who had worked at the university. It, it was by this point, it was beyond what David could do, my son-in-law. Mm. Um, I spent I spent a year <clears throat> working uh, with the guy doing all the coding, mm. which was really interesting. He's um, he's Chinese, lives in Leeds, so. English isn't his first language, uh, and he's a, a techie, and a real nerdy techie. Wow, that, that doesn't sound like a marriage made in heaven with your extrovert, outgoing Yorkshireness there, Nigel, but, you know, sometimes you've just got to get the best out of each other, haven't you? Yeah, and, and actually, we've got a great working relationship. I've learned a lot from him. He's learned a lot from me. He's got a very strong academic background, but not mm. a strong commercial background. Um, so quite often, he was coming up with ideas, that from a technical point of view were great, but from a commercial point of view weren't, weren't necessary. Yeah. So we've had a lot of conversations along the way. Um, we At that point, <clears throat> I still owned everything. I was also on the Northern Powerhouse Investment Readiness Programme. Mm. And around that time, I'd been on a workshop teaching you how to pitch to potential investors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'd done a practice pitch. Uh, what I hadn't known at the time at my workshop was that there was somebody from a venture capital firm there. And they came up to me as soon as I'd done the pitch and said they wanted to meet. So I, <clears throat> I put them off for a couple of months, which apparently you're not supposed to do. <laughs> Somebody, somebody's keen to support you, Nigel. It's not like, well, can I get back to you? You know, you need to be, you need to be jumping on that a bit quicker, I suspect. Yeah, but it was... I, one, I had work to do on the software, so I wanted to show them something. Yeah. Um, not in the state it was. And two, 
I wasn't sure if I would need investment and if I did, how much and mm. what I'd do with it. Yeah. So uh, we met up um, March, just before lockdown, and had a discussion. Uh, basically, they expressed interest in investing, but the minimum they look at is half a million. Right, okay. And there's a danger then that them putting that amount of money into the business means one, I lose control. Um, and two, that I I would end up moving very quickly. And by this time, I got used to not moving that quickly. But you also put an awful lot of other pressures on you that weren't there before, don't you, that make it you know, significantly different as a as an entity. So I, I guess you've got to be almost careful what you wish for in some respects, haven't you? Yeah. Um, and, and I was lucky because I'd built a, a team around me. So I, I call it my advisory board. And mm. I've had this team in place for about a year. Um, I'd done it for very specific reasons. There was a point where I my health suffered. Um, and... At one point, I wasn't sure if I was going to be around that much longer. Oh, uh, are, you okay? are you okay now? I, I'm absolutely fine. I, I had two months of being tested for leukaemia, oh. but it turned out to be stress. Wow, okay. Because uh, I was trying to do too much myself. Um, but that's the time I've put this team in place. So it's a number of trusted uh, business contacts who gave me their time and advice and support and expertise. Mm. Um, so when I was approached by the venture capital firm, we had a meeting, we discussed it, and, and their advice and my gut feel was, <clears throat> we, we don't want the money. Mm. We're, we're going to do this ourselves, and we're going to do it at our own pace, and we're going to do it one customer at a time, and we're going to learn as we go along. Um, and yeah, it's going to take us a lot longer, but at the end of the day, we know the ethics and values of the company that we're trying to build. Mm. Uh, and we'll, we'll do it that way. So quick question. I'm just conscious of time with the podcast listeners and things. Where are you now? Um, how close are we to be able to access Bubble? And if so, how would our listeners and audience look at it? I mean, I work a lot with uh, new starts and pre-starts on various programmes through uh, you know, the Chambers of Commerce and Adventure Programme. And I work with lots of small businesses who, you know, do seek and look for advice. So I'd be quite happy to, you know, point people in the direction of this new resource. Where are we with it? Where, How close are we to launch? Where would I find it? Um, so where we are currently is in the final stages. So where uh, we've done a lot of testing. Mm -hmm. We've got a couple of design elements to put in, which should be in this week. We've got some functionality to switch on and test, which will be the next two weeks. So the current plan is that by the beginning of March, um, which when this goes out, it should be available. And it's sitting on our website, which is bubbleexpert.com. You want to pronounce that and spell that because it's an unusual spelling, isn't it? Yeah, so uh, bubble is B-U-B-U-L, and then expert, E-X-P-E-R-T.com. And bubble expert is all one word. Mm -hmm. um, there are two versions. So there's bubble start and bubble grow. Bubble start is free for anybody who wants to start their own business. Um, and bubble grow is nine ninety nine a month. 
and that gives you unlimited access to however many times you want to access the questions and you know interrogate the advice etc yeah and on grow you've got a number of different business challenges so if you know what you want you can go straight to a challenge or there's a diagnostic tool which works out which challenges you need to look at mm. um, i'm hoping as well that uh, over time it will also be available through accountancy firms like that so we're talking to quite a few people at the moment about licensing it so instead of going down a franchise route you're just licensing the software to people who can become i guess conduits and door openers for the uh, for, for the advice if you're an accountant it's an easier option to point people in the direction of bubble expert than it is to you know sit down and give generic advice that may or may not be right or you know have to introduce three or four or five other parties into the equation really okay yeah um it's been really interesting. I'd like to think about, or ask you to think about, what advice would you give? You're talking to new starts, and you're talking to people who've got an ambition to start a business. What would you take from your six-year, 17 attempts to keep going journey? What would you say to people who, you know, sat at home now, or they're on furlough, or they've sadly been made redundant, or they're just thinking, you know, I don't want to go back to the corporate world after lockdown and whatever, I'm con considering opening, you know, starting my own business. What what would you take from your journey? And um, obviously, the advice would be use Bubble Expert and find out what it's going to tell you and support you. But what about you? What would you say to them from that seventeen uh, attempts and, and and six years? Start with your customer. Really work out what your niche is going to be. Uh, who are your ideal customers? Um, we originally thought we'd go straight to SMEs. We hadn't thought about licensing it to accountancy firms, um, but that came out of interest that was expressed when people saw the prototype. So, it, but if we thought about it properly, it's an absolutely logical thing to do. So think about your customer, um, get detailed written descriptions of your ideal customers. So what are their challenges? Um, what issues do they have? What problems are you gonna solve for them? Uh, well, where do they use social media? What are you going to use to reach them? What language do you need to use? Really focus on the customer and get all of that sorted first before you're thinking about your product or your service or setting up a website. Mm. That's got to be the number one thing. Mm. Um, and spend as much time as you need on that. I think the, the next thing would be try it. Try your idea out with some people. Talk to them get their reaction, talk to small business owners that have been through it, um, find out what problems you're going to hit, look at how much money you're going to need, mm. plan it, don't be over-optimistic about how quickly you're going to start earning money. You say be, be realistic about your timescales as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I started... When I started, I thought it would cost me about 50000 and take about two years. Mm -hmm. um, it's obviously taken me six years, and it, we, we passed the 50000 mark a long time ago. Okay, that's now in the review mirror, is it? Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, listen, Nigel, we're going to have to stop there for the uh, for the purposes of the, of the pod. We, we try and keep them within a, within a time scale. Some really inspirational stuff there about the journey that you've been on, but I really like the resilience. I really like the fact that despite the fact that there's been setbacks and, 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 you know, heartache along the route, you believed in what you've 
got and, and we're now ready to take it to marketplace and and I do think from what you said and how you've explained it and how it would work that there's definitely a niche in there so just the fact that someone's never done it before doesn't mean it shouldn't be done and and you know that was a great sort of reference point that you mentioned earlier so you know I wish you all the luck with this and I'm sure that you'll be you know a fantastic success with uh, uh, the, the the bubble software um just for finishing off for those who uh, are regulars, you'll know where you can access the Impact Sessions podcast. It's on the Impactus Group website. It's on all the usual platforms of iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Podbean, Google Play, etc. Um, and you can access those on the links on the website as well. It's also on YouTube as a as a video if you prefer to watch. But I think Nigel and I would uh, really welcome you taking the audio feed for today. And um, last but not least, Nigel's contact details on there. I will change on the uh, show notes the details for the website so i've got the uh, the bubble website on there for you nigel but all that remains to say is um thank you very much for being a, a great guest um it's been a year we'll ignore what we said at the start of the first uh, lockdown episode and um i think what we need to do is say look you know let's hope 2021 is a lot better for everyone and let's hope 2021 is a great success for nigel greenwood and bubble thank you Thank you, Nicky. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks no for the problem. opportunity. See you soon. Cheers. Cheers.